you know, I wasn't always sure that I was going to be a Presbyterian minister. I wasn't sure uh, that that was the direction of my heart and where God was calling me to go. I, I grew up in the Presbyterian church. My best friends in the world were Baptist, continue to be. Uh, they were Baptist. I also had some relationship within my family with the uh, Evangelical Covenant Church, which is a Swedish line of the Reformed faith, and so my family uh, was, was of, that, of that ilk. And so I participated in youth groups and different activities from a variety of different churches. In, in college, I experienced some of the Pentecostal charismatic movement, and so I had some exposure to that uh, side of God's church. And so I wasn't sure when I got to seminary that, that Presbyterianism was going to be the place where I was going to uh, set my flag in the ground and I was going to become a Presbyterian minister. There was a, ser- a period of time when I was going from college into seminary that I had to choose the path that I was going to take. It wasn't a foregone conclusion. And at the counsel of my pastor growing up, I decided to start on the track of becoming a Presbyterian minister for a variety of reasons. But it wasn't until I started to explore the Reformed faith while I was reading John Calvin's Institutes of Theology. Yes, I did enjoy reading those to some degree. I did enjoy that. I enjoyed learning from our historical confessions of the church. It wasn't until I was digging into the theology behind the Presbyterian church, that I became became convinced that this was God's plan for me. And at one particular point in time, as I was reading and studying the historical confessions, the Westminster Confession, or the Catechism, which is the shorter question and answer period of the the, the Confession of Faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which is something that helps us remember our faith, I was reading through that, and something God used within that document has come up over and over and over and over again throughout the course of my life. It has been an anchor that has grounded me in difficult times, and it has helped keep my eyes on Jesus, whatever may come. And the very first question of the Westminster Confession asks this. It says, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? In other words, what is our purpose? What is your purpose? Why are we here? Why do any of us exist? If you were going to boil everything down, if you're going to boil everything down to one single answer, what is the chief end of humanity, of men and women? What is the main reason any of us are here? And the Westminster Confession answers this question. According to the Westminster Confession of Faith, what is the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and to fully enjoy Him forever. We exist to worship God and to celebrate our relationship with Him. That is why we exist. And we do that forever. That we do that forever. Now, in church, that might sound like a really good answer, right? It makes sense for me to stand up here and tell you that on Sunday morning, what is the chief reason we're here? It is to worship God and to enjoy Him forever. But what about tomorrow? Tomorrow you have bills to pay. You have bills to pay. You have classes to attend. You have lives to lead. How many of us are sitting here thinking that the main reason to exist in life is to worship God with all that's waiting for you as you walk out these doors today? Do you think that the purpose of your life is to glorify 
God. Sounds good on Sunday. How does it sound to you on Monday? To worship Him day in and day out with the words that we say, the thoughts that we think, with what we do with these hands and, and how we live. Do we really understand that to worship God is more than coming to church on Sunday? It's what we do with our whole lives. I confess, I often forget that. I often forget what I've just told you. Maybe you do too. How easy it is for us to wake up in the morning and burst into our day, looking first to our calendars, to our to-do lists, to our appointment, uh, our appointment rosters, to our bank accounts. Before we ever crack open a Bible or we kneel before our Heavenly Father, our strength and our hope, our very lives are given to us from God, and yet we are so quick to dismiss the one for whom we exist, to chase after all these lesser things. The next message series that we are going to do in this church is going to start in two weeks. And we're going to be looking at the lies that we allow ourselves to believe. The lies that we let into our heads and into our hearts that keep us distracted from ever hearing God's voice. Lies like those of comparison, worthlessness, and self-defeat. When we hear these lies, we believe them and we consume them into our thoughts and in our true purpose, our true purpose in life gets pushed to the side because all these lies are crowding out God's best for us. Instead of waking up in the morning thanking God for the day that we have and for the fact that He loves us as He does, we begin looking at our phones and comparing our lives to the people and the families and the screens looking back at us. Instead of enjoying God and appreciating the life that we have, we are plagued by our past mistakes, the wrongs that we've committed, the feelings of worthlessness or being unloved. Instead of comprehending that we are walking in the power of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and is available to us, we shrink back as we face the day. We shrink back in fear and we tell ourselves that life is just too hard. How many of us truly understand that our purpose in life is to worship God? Our purpose isn't to compare ourselves to others or feel less than because of mistakes that we've made, nor is our purpose to make money, to live for vacation, to do a job, to raise a family, or to be happy. What is the main purpose of all people everywhere? It is to glorify God and to fully enjoy Him forever. And if anything stands between you and that purpose, your life is going to be out of balance. If anything stands between you and that purpose, your life will be out of balance. Rick Warren is in his record-breaking book, What on Earth Am I Here For?, he tells us that our hearts were made to worship. Our hearts are made to worship. He says the heart of worship is surrender. Surrender is an unpopular word. It is disliked almost as much as the word submission. 
It implies losing, and no one wants to be a loser. Surrender invokes the unpleasant images of admitting defeat in battle, forfeiting a game or yielding to a stronger opponent. The word is almost always, always used in a negative context. We are taught to never give up and never give in, so we don't hear much about surrendering. If winning is everything, surrendering is unthinkable. But surrendering to God is the heart of worship. It is the natural response to God's amazing love and mercy. We give ourselves to Him not out of fear or duty, but in love because He first loved us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Apostle Paul said something almost identical to what I just read for you from Rick Warren's book. He said something almost identical 2,000 years ago. In Romans, we read this. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find truly acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God. Him. Our purpose in life is to worship God. And the way that you worship God is to surrender your life as a holy sacrifice. Not just on Sunday when we sacrifice a little time in the morning or maybe 15 minutes if you're listening to this as a podcast, listening to an uplifting message. We give time to God in the everyday distractions in the lies and the temptations, even the hopes and the dreams and the ambitions and the goals that we have ourselves, those things that stand between us and God. We find our purpose to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Surrendering ourselves to God is a natural, it's a natural and it's an unnatural act for us. Here's how it's natural. It's natural for us because our hearts are made to worship. That is a natural bent of our hearts. We don't have to tell our hearts to do that. Our hearts are made to worship God. That's the part that's natural. The unnatural part for us is when our heads get in the way. It's unnatural for us to worship God because our hearts get in the way. Our, hearts say, uh, our heads say, no way. This idea of surrender, no way. Surrender means I give up control and I don't want to give up control. But today, friends, I plead with you. Give yourself to God because of everything that He has done for you. Let your surrender be a living and holy sacrifice, one that God will find pleasing and acceptable. In this way, you are truly worshiping God. This morning, I'd like to give us all an opportunity to worship God in a very personal way. This is the final message in our series, What Does the Church Have to Offer Me? And I would tell you the answer to that is simple. The church gives you an opportunity to worship God. Together with everyone else who is searching to understand our relationship with God, broken as we are, angry as we are, imperfect as we are, we are all searching to figure out our relationship with God. And together, 
God gives us the gift through the church to worship him. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. In addition to the Bible memory verse that I hope you'll take and and put somewhere this week where you'll remember uh, this and maybe it'll jog your memory for this message series. In addition to that memory card, you were given a postcard in your uh, packet this morning. And I would encourage you all to uh, find that card, the one that I uh, placed in your in your bulletin this morning. Now, for those of you who are home, I just encourage you to grab a piece of paper, a post-it note, something uh, that you can write on if you would like to do this with us. But I would encourage you to find this card. And at the top of the card, if you're home, you can write this. I want to glorify, uh, God, I want to glorify you and enjoy you forever. And today I surrender to you. That's what it says at the top of our card. I want to glorify you and enjoy you forever. I surrender to you. And I'm going to ask for you to fill that in today. And please don't look over your shoulder what your neighbor's writing. That's not for you. This is just for you to write down. And this is not for me to see either. This is just for you. So you can be as honest before God as you want. God, today I am surrendering this to you. What do you wake up thinking about? Or what do you go to bed at night worrying about? Can you give that to Jesus as an act of worship today? Is there a distraction or a temptation that shows up in your life with frustrating regularity? If so, can you surrender that thing to Jesus this morning as an act of worship? Do you find that you are unsatisfied after you are chasing goals and dreams that never seem to fulfill you? Will you write that down today and trust that Jesus will fulfill you more than any dream or goal or accomplishment that you could chase after. God, I want to glorify you and enjoy you forever. I surrender to you this thing. And as I said, this is just for you, not for the people around you. What can you surrender to God today? So I'm going to ask that in the back they play some music for us. And I'm just going to give you a minute to write down on that card in the background as it's playing. And as you are feeling comfortable, as you write down whatever it is, I'm going to invite you to come forward this morning. And I'm going to invite you to put your card on this table. I would just tell you to put it face down. As I said, I'm not going to look at these. These are for you and God. And if you can't, if you can't get up this morning and come forward, that's fine. Raise your hand. Someone will come and will grab that card for you. But I'm going to ask that we put these on the table this morning as an act of worship. God, this morning, I want to glorify you. I want to enjoy you forever. This morning, I surrender to you this thing because of what you have done for me. So please, write down what you want to surrender to God this morning, and as you're able, come and lay these cards on the table. This is a neat image um, of these cards laid on the table that we're going to share a meal from in just a moment. I don't know what you've written on these cards, and I won't know what you've written on these cards. Uh, This is something for you and for Jesus. Uh, After the service, these cards will be collected, and I will shred them. Uh, We'll put them uh, in the shredder, and they will will be something that you will uh, be able to remember uh, today. And I I encourage you, uh, maybe take this card and in the little space that's there, write one word that would remind you of what you've given 
uh, to God today and keep this card with you and hold on to that this week as you think back to what it is to worship uh, Jesus. Now, I can tell you this, that whatever you wrote down on this card, this week, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard for you to worship God through this. Whatever you're surrendering to Jesus today, the devil doesn't want you to surrender it. We have an enemy who prowls around, ready to seek and destroy us. And so I can guarantee you that whatever you wrote down is going to be hard for you this week. But just as much as I can guarantee you this, that there's going to be pressure this week, I also believe so firmly that there is a saving grace given to you. We serve a God who is not dead, but who is alive, and who is here to bring life to you. And how do we know that this is true? Because he's given us this table. This table that sometimes just is something we do out of rote memory, it's something we do every week, this table is a table of the living. It is a table of life and it is a table of grace. It is a table that reminds us that the power of Jesus Christ, the power that raised him from the dead is within us. The Holy Spirit goes with you. So while you may have a devil that is prowling around ready to seek and destroy you and not allow you to surrender these things to God in worship, there is a grace and a love and a power that is so much more prevalent in your lives. Do not believe the lie that says that he is more powerful, more powerful than God. So as you surrender these things today, we're going to give these things to God and we're going to thank God that he has already, already won the victory through the name of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be together today. I thank you for every card that is on this table. I thank you for every act of worship that stands before you today. Lord, you love us more than we can ever understand. In our tired bodies and minds, Lord, though, we come before you, and in our brokenness, we offer you what we can. We humbly uh, submit these things and surrender them to you. And God, whatever is written on these cards, I pray that you would take these things and that you would, through this act of worship, you would protect us, you would provide for us, you would strengthen us. Lord, whatever we are battling, whatever we are struggling with, we pray that you would take this worship of our lives. Lord, we give you all the glory, all the power. Lord, it is yours forever and ever. It is your kingdom. And so, God, we are so blessed to have this table, this table that is set before us, and we enjoy every Every month, Lord, we are given the opportunity to be reminded of our faith, to be encouraged in our faith. You do this, Lord, so we do not forget you. And so, God, we thank you that the presence of the Holy Spirit of God is in this room and you're in this place. God, we call upon your power today that you would help us. Help us as the church to rally around each other, to lean in, to support each other. What does the church have to offer us? It, has, it offers us the ability to worship you and to do that together so that we are not by ourselves. We are not by ourselves, but we are a, a church, a body, a connectedness that is able to love you and to support you. So Father, we thank you for these elements of bread and juice. And God, we pray that they would be transformed this morning from the simple elements, uh, their physical properties, Lord, that they be endowed with spiritual, spiritual presence, the Holy Spirit of God, that you would nourish our souls. We pray this today in Jesus' name, amen.